You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson, full group back together again for the first time in a few weeks. All right, we are, we're, we're past it. Nebraska's already had several practices. They've had fan day. They've had all these events happen. We never got a recap of media days from the two gentlemen that oh, were yeah. there. So in like 90 seconds or less, sum up your indie experience, Michael Brunts. I think that's about how long Nebraska was actually in, in Indianapolis. It was about 90 seconds. They I were thought in that's and out. how long the, the awkward pause was. Yeah, well, there's a lot of 90-second things going on. <laughs> uh, it was fine. They, they were quick. They were in and out. It was a good group. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think that we've really learned anything um, that, that we didn't kind of already assume or know. So uh, we didn't get the cocktail sauce at, uh, at St. Elmo's. But uh, it was it was all in all a good trip, I think. And uh, you, you covered Fan Day for us, which is always it's always good to fall on that one. I look, I'll take that trade. I, I think I'll take that trade. BC, you get the remainder of the forty five seconds to talk about Fan Day. Okay. Uh, yeah, media days. Not Fan Day. Excuse me, media days. Well, I I could talk about both the same about. Um, <laughs> I have I had no hot take from media days. I didn't have a hot take about Frost. I left there thinking it was fine. The the thing people have to understand is I know there's a portion where the, each coach goes on stage that's on uh, BTN Network for like 10 minutes and some reporters who want to get their name, not all of them, but a few that want to get their name out there uh, will ask a question uh, so they'll be on TV. And it's sort of a dog and pony show. There's a side session that goes on with the head coach and each players that lasts about 40 to 45 minutes. And that was, you know, fine. It was just nuts and bolts stuff from Frost about this and that going into camp. And so um, I really thought the whole thing was just a uh, standard procedure. And um, Brunson and I drove there, spent a couple hours with the boys, drove back, and it, it was pretty uneventful. Uh, except uh, the thing I do love about Bronx and you Schaefer is when we go on uh, road trips, all of us appreciate a good gas station stop and like the journey to like pick our little treats for the next couple hours. And I love that about you guys. And uh, it, it's what helps us uh, stay together as a team. I think. I almost sent Bruns a text the other day because I saw someone who had an equally as forlorn look at about 1130 at a QT and uh, outside of Kansas City, as he had when we were driving back from Columbus, Ohio, after that fateful sixty-two to three uh, 
Brunt's walking out of that gas station. We fill up. He's got his Cheez-Its and his Coke Zero. And he's staring off into the Ohio space. Just and dark. it just looks like he wanted to be anywhere but there that night. Same guy. Same look from a different guy. I almost I almost went up and introduced myself and just told him it'd be okay. <laughs> I don't know him. what he was going on through. The back. But it'll be okay. <laughs> We've been, we've been on a we've definitely been on some tough Husker road trips like that where you're like halfway back at a gas station and it's sort of like the Seinfeld I'll put some money in the jar for the reference but uh, where, where Jerry's telling George like what are we doing what are we doing like you kind of get that in your mind sometimes so hopefully they'll turn the corner a little bit this year and there'll be a couple less of those road trips or where you're at like the airport gate with like 45 Husker fans at 6 30 a.m on sunday after a tough road loss and like nobody can even communicate you know it's just like a a ridiculous scene of sadness like uh the huskers need to get past that for their fans if nothing else and us a little bit i would say that that always that always happens at 2 a.m it's there's been three distinct times that i can remember having that feeling it was the ohio state game um the, the, the Tommy Armstrong miracle, the, um, the last last year's Illinois game when we drove halfway back and we're sitting there eating Casey's pizza <laughs> while we're filling up in nowhere Illinois. I, I don't even know where we were. Like I, oh, going man. like we're a game into this and this is where we are. And then uh, 2017 when Brian and I were driving back from Happy Valley <laughs> to to Pittsburgh and it was just like piss and rain everywhere and freezing and uh they're at a very sad gas station in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania those are my those are my three distinct memories on the beat of like what what, what are we doing here like 20, 2017 penn state always takes the cake to me as a game where even when you were getting ready to like fly out there you're like why <laughs> you know and then like the third play of the game saquon barkley gets the ball second or third play and it's like a 60 yard run and you're you expected it i mean that was that ended up being a 56 44 game though because uh tanner lee threw for about 250 yards in the fourth quarter when no one cared including a last second touchdown to jack jack stole that last jack stole touchdown did make that scroll a little bit better good yeah. scroller that was the most friendly uh uh crawl of a score where they, the score was much closer than Nebraska lost that game by like 50 points in all honesty. And it ended up being a 12 point game, but anyway, enough about 20. Let's talk about this year. Well, six minutes into the podcast after the Nebraska fall camp has started, we are done talking about 2017. No, um, let's, uh, let's dive into what we've learned a little bit since fall camp has began. There's been a couple media availabilities. Nebraska's, uh, only been out in spiders so far. I think the next time we see them on Thursday, they'll be into pads uh, and you get a little bit different work at that time. Um, Brian, has any of the conversation early on caught your attention? It could be position battles. It could be just the assimilation of the quarterbacks and the offense. Uh, it could be an individual assistant coach or two. Any Anything catch your attention in these first couple media availabilities? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, every time Mark Whipple steps in front, um, there's this focus on on ball security, which, I mean, obviously everybody's, you know, it's camp. Coaches are going to talk about protecting the football. 
But I think there's a clear understanding, and he said exactly what I always think about this Nebraska-Northwestern game. Just don't give them two or three turnovers, you know, Northwestern a, a plus three in the turnover column, and you can be fine in that game. And I liked his quote about how first games are so often, um, you know, you can give them away as often as you can actually go win them, you know, that basically is what he was saying. And he was talking about, like, with their red zone offense, his QBs having to know when to live for another play, when to accept that you can take three points here. It doesn't have to all happen right now. And I really, as he was talking, I, I think that's the key to that trip to Ireland and getting off to a good start is your quarterback and those, those guys who have to make big decisions, understanding I don't have to do it all. This play early in the third quarter might be an important play on third down but I have to know it's not the necessarily deciding play where I can, I don't want to give this game away and throw a pick that gets returned 60 yards for a touchdown. And maybe it's because of last year's week zero game that this is in my mind so much where Adrian fumbled at the midfield, you know, right before the half and it just changed everything. But I feel like that's the way this thing becomes a game in three and a half weeks is if Nebraska goes out there, goes minus three, and gives away like a pick six or something. And I like that Whipple seemed to be sort of not just saying it specifically about that, but you got the point that that's on, on his mind as well. Yeah. He had some kind of quote, like something like uh, first games are lost a lot more than they're won. And it kind of led into what you were talking about, that mentality of where you're just trying to do a little bit too much instead of just accepting sort of what's out in front of you and letting the game kind of come to you. I, I uh, I thought Whipple was really interesting for a variety of reasons on Monday. Um, something that caught my attention, he was very uh, strong in praise of a couple tight ends, and one of them being Travis Vokalek, which you know we've kind of taken for granted. Like he didn't practice at all this spring, so he wasn't really involved in much. And the thing that Whipple really appreciated is that he thinks you know for for Vokalek being a guy that went to his to media days. He thinks there's a lot more value in having him out there on the field as a leader that has been able to play, kind of getting that room moving forward than when he was sort of on the sidelines talking with guys like Rollins and Carney and Borkircher last spring. He just he, – he really feels like Vokalek had a good summer and he's attacked the first few days of camp well. And he, he kind of intimated that he's made uh, some nice plays for Nebraska as well. And then the other tight end name, and another guy who didn't practice at all this spring and has put on some good weight and looks to be somebody that, uh, you know, might have a larger role than we would have guessed is Chancellor Brewington. Um, and so, you know, Whipple thought that he's had a really nice start to his spring. Said he had a great summer, likes the weight that he's put on, uh, and is, is somebody that seems like he's going to be involved. In a tight end room that, you know, I asked Chancellor Brewington this, and he kind of he kind of didn't go with the premise, but – I asked him if he felt like the room had lost quite a bit in terms of experience, if it, if it looked different to him. And he kind of, you know, he kind of just gave an answer signifying that even though they don't have Austin Allen and, you know, it, it looks different than when he first arrived, he thinks there's a, a pretty big hunger of those guys behind Travis Vokalek to show that, you know, it's not just going to be Travis Vokalek and, and a random person out there, that they, they have some things that they can do and they have some things that they can prove. Yeah, and, oh, sorry, BT. No, I you you covered it well, but I also the thing I noticed about the tight ends, uh, 
Whipple's offense has been said to be good for that position as far as like stats and stuff. And you can tell that they believe that's going to happen. Like, uh, and Chance Brewington knows full well that he was the viral video guy of last year on the goal line for his niche blocking. And that was awesome. But he's, you can tell he's, I'm over that. Like he wants yeah. to be that, but I want to be everything. And he was like 210 last year. He was more of like a receiver playing tight end as Becton's always kind of referred to him that way as sort of hybrid, more of a receiver guy. And now I think he wants to prove, no, I'm a tight end. I'm 225. I can, I can do all the things you want me to do. And so that's really out in front of him. Brunch, what'd you take away from Friday when you were there? Yeah, I was just thinking back what I to what I took away. It, it's, you know, with, with Travis Fisher talking and Eric Chenander talking, I think you, you can kind of juxtapose the two sides of the ball where they're at right now. I mean, I think, you know, in the secondary, you have so much depth. You have so many guys that probably are in a spot where they could contribute. And it's going to be fascinating to watch not only how you put the pieces together to figure out who's going to start in different spots, but also how much you rotate based on um, the, the depth that you have. Um, they, they've got to find a spot for Buford. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's, he's only at safety now. Uh, they, they like guys like Deshaun Singleton. You've got Miles Farmer back there. I think they love Tommy Hill at that corner spot opposite Quentin Newsom. You've got Omar Brown. You probably have to fit in somewhere. So, there's just so many names there. And, and that was kind of my takeaway was even though you, you basically lost three starters from last year, you have just as much, if not more depth than you did last year. And I think when, you know, you guys are talking about the tight end spot, I mean, Sean Becton said on Monday that he kind of challenged his guys and, and basically said, right now it's Travis Vokalek and we don't really know who the number two guy is right now. And They've got to get that figured out. And I think Mickey Joseph also kind of threw the gauntlet down a little bit to his guys to figure out who's going to help, who, you know, can kind of be that that guy that they can rely on. And I, I think, you know, we haven't heard from Brian Applewhite yet, but I suspect that he's kind of similar to um, the other guys where he's trying to figure out that room and, and who he can count on and not. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of proven stuff on the defensive side of the ball right now, depth-wise. You can even go into linebackers and say that too. And then on offense, it's kind of like, okay, how do we, how, how do we kind of figure out in these next couple of weeks who can who we can rely on in, in in Dublin and against Northwestern, so you don't have turnover issues and you know guys know where they're supposed to be and, and you can play a clean game. So it's both sides of the ball are trying to figure things out. They're just kind of doing it, I think, from, from different different places right now. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What, what is your sort of biggest concern that you have right now here, August 3rd? You've heard the team talk a few different times, whether it was media days, whether it was Friday or whether it was Monday. Where, where's your biggest concern for Nebraska football as it looks at the 2022 season? I mean, it could be an individual position. It could be the side of the ball. It could be the psyche. Wherever you want to go with it is pretty open-ended. Uh, and we'll start back with Michael Brooks. I think it's – until I see it with my own eyes, it's it's going to be the offensive line, I think. I mean, I we, we kind of know a little bit more where guys are at in, in terms of positions and where they're playing. But, you know, that, that's a group to me that you really need to see it to – really believe what you're being told or what you're hearing. Um, I, I believe that they're being taught differently by Donovan Rayola than, than what they were uh, in the first few years of Scott Frost tenure under Greg Austin. But what, what does that look like? Um, you know, are they going to be able to run the ball um, with the running backs? It's, it's the age old question. Um, so that, that to me will constantly be the, the concern until, um, you know, they step on the field against Northwestern because that, that to me, that group to me holds such a big kind of key for, for where this team is going to go in 2022. BC. I think it's the same as when the staff arrived and it's, it's just what sort of a natural concern you would have in how do you pare this thing all down so that it's a, a menu for the quarterbacks and the offense that they can handle early on in the season. Um, Cause I think they've had a lot thrown at them and now it's about um, not having that cheesecake factory menu, you know, that's 40 pages, but actually like stuff like, okay, this is what we really feel good about. We can trust Casey to run that, run these plays. The, the receivers are on the same page with this stuff. And I've always thought, you know, as much excitement as there is and I under, is understandable about the new coaches, this is a daunting task um, where you have almost an entire makeover of your staff and you have 33 new scholarship guys compared to last year. And as much as no, people are down on Northwestern and what are they going to be, I, you know, I have no idea what Nebraska football is going to look like, to be honest. I, I think there's reason to be optimistic about some things and I'm not, down on the dumps at all on this squad. I'm just saying that Trev Alberts brunch was there. Trev Alberts laid it out pretty well to the media at big 10 media days. And he was candid, frankly, you know, about what's in front of frost. And it's going to take like a great leader basically to get this all in order over the next month. Like he, I felt like he had a quote, if people go back and read and listen to that, where he laid out how difficult this mountain is in August and, and how on point everybody has to be to, you know, make it work. Um, so I, that, that's the part that, that, that just big question of how do you get it all to make sense in such a limited time? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you don't get to just ease into it. You're, you're facing a power five team and, and a team that'll be hungry right away with Northwestern. And so um, I do think in some ways, the freshness of Nebraska eliminates some of the concern of, of what you saw happen at Illinois last year, where when it went bad, 
maybe Nebraska's own mentality fed into it because they've seen that movie before. They've mm-hmm. experienced that. Like you see that Adrian fumble, you see the struggles in the third quarter, but you, you kind of, you know, if you're a player, I think it's kind of easy to feed into, okay, here we go again. If you're relatively new to Nebraska, uh, if you're Casey Thompson, you don't have that baggage. You don't have that sort of mentality. Right. Uh, so I, I do think that in itself is, is good. Um, we'll see how that manifests itself as they play a game. Um, I, I'm going to hammer this thing until, you know, kind of like Brunch was talking about the offensive line. Probably for the first like month of the season, the thing that I am most going to be interested in is how Nebraska holds up against the run. And it doesn't have to be like an individual statistic or a uh, individual, um, you know, performance, but they, they got to be able to stop the run to get to what I think could be the strength of this defense, which is their ability to rush the passer, their ability to to get the quarterback into bad situations. I, I like the talent in the secondary that, uh, you know, was Brunch was talking about with all the different depth that they have there. I think they can have a better season than Nebraska did last year in terms of takeaways, because I think they're going to get a good pass rush up front on third and long or, or obvious passing situations. It's just in order to get there, you got to be able to stop the run in order to win in the big 10 conference. You got to be able to stop the run. And, I just don't – I mean, you still don't have Devin Drew yet. I think they're hoping he's back sometime this week. Um, I, For as much as, as Stephen Wynn's Alabama uh, experience carries some gravitas in terms of where he played, it's not like he played a lot there. So he's not someone who's coming in with a ton of reps to his name. Uh, Nash Hotmacher has to get better pretty quickly. You have guys that were recruited in, in Ruquan Buckley and Jalen Weaver and, and Marquise Black that are still very much question marks. And Colton Feist, I mean, like we were we were kind of talking about it, Brian, the other day, but that's that's a guy that, you know, if it's announced when they play Northwestern, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he's the guy next to Ty Robinson pretty early on yeah. in that game. You know, I mean, I, I think that's kind of where Nebraska's at. And that's not to, to say that that's a bad thing because Colton Feist has been a guy that we've heard about as – and you were you were kind of quick to point this out. You know, his teammates and that coaching staff would bring him up unprompted constantly as, you know, this guy's doing some stuff. And he had a he had a good productive high school career. He's played in some games before. Um, so he's gonna be he's gonna be more involved than I definitely thought coming into to fall camp. So uh that that interior defensive line spot is gonna have my attention a lot uh this year. What Brian, what what stood out for you when we were at media availability on Monday, where we could actually watch practice? You were uh, mm-hmm. you were putting together your your award winning highlights. Um, I was shooting photos. What what stood out to you as you were watching things? Um, this the special teams work uh, which they put in front of us. I'm maybe with a purpose they did that, but. Uh, they had the drills where guys were working in what I would consider like almost like a rectangle. Like, you know, they're running down basically like 15 yards and had five yards of width one-on-one. And um, it was very close quarters. Like it was special teams work where you're in a phone booth sort of. And so you really have to work on your technique and fundamentals to beat the guy either that you're trying to get past or you're trying to block. And, uh, Sean Becton brought that up 
after the practice too as a specific difference i think he sees in some of the drills they're doing this year compared to the past as far as we're putting these guys in tight spaces and they're really um needing to execute those little details that they're talking about in the film room to have success in those tight spaces so i thought that was interesting to actually see something play out we're only there for like a half hour but in five to ten minutes we're like okay here's actually something where you can point to and you know take some shots of where that's that might be different than it was last year because people always ask well what's going to be different how's it going to be different well they're they are doing some new things i think under bill bush and i think they were putting some of that on display for us so that part and then i i would say um donovan riola this should be expected he's an o-line coach of course he doesn't just sit there mute you know and all this but I do think there's this great curiosity about him because he's not the most talkative guy in interview sessions where the public sees him. So they kind of wonder what's he like, you know, with his players and all that. And um, he's an intense guy, you know, when there's a Ryla switch that goes on, I think you see um, when, when the practice starts and every drill, um, every drill within the drill, he was like right there with the guys walking 15 yards with them in their ear hole about this and that. And, um, you know, I, I, we have some of that on video and people can see it for themselves, but, um, you know, it's just good for the people to see like, okay, that's the O-line coach. That's how he operates. He, he's an O-line coach, you know, like, uh, it, that it was what you would expect, but it was still, I think, comforting to the fan base. Yeah. Uh, Riola, you know, before they were in their stretching line or whatever, it seemed like he was trying to find every offensive lineman and make sure he gave him a high five. He definitely came across as a uh, as a big energy guy, um, trying to get things sort of rolling there on Monday. I I think one of my takeaways, and this is something that I guess isn't really revealing because it's not like we haven't seen the beginning of practices before or this assistant coach before, but sometimes you know we talk about Travis Fisher, we talk about like. He he tends to in recruiting seem to be a little bit detached from things or, you know, he's not as showy or as involved. I think people would have a different sort of view of Travis Fisher if they went and watched him coach his defensive backs. That guy is all over all of his players all the time. I mean, if he's, you know, even just a, like a little footwork thing, he's quick to point it out. I mean, he's just very, very involved. And that's really important, especially this year, because he's got less experienced players. He's got guys that have to make pretty, you know, substantial moves and have to earn spots. And, and he wants to play. I mean, I, what was it? Uh, Brunts, you, I think listen to the audio. He wants to play eight or nine guys this year in his secondary. And so watching him kind of work with those guys as they went through, you know, whether it was uh, stuff that was special team stuff or individual um, defensive back drill stuff and, and, crowding out a guy in the in the red zone just stuff like that I mean he he was getting um pretty involved pulled guys off to the side a lot like it was uh it was a really active coaching session or so it felt for him on on Monday and and that room it's it really interests me because I think there's a lot of talent there um I do wish that I hadn't seen Omar Brown kind of walking around not practicing I I don't know. I, I don't love that he missed most of spring. I don't love that he was hurt at the end of his FCS campaign with, with Northern Iowa. Um, I don't, I don't know what that pretends for him, you know, like it 
some point he's got to be healthy enough that he can go through practice for you. Uh, if he's really going to be one of those eight or nine guys that's playing this year. Also another guy that caught my attention, um, Isaac Gifford, he's going to play, I think quite a bit this season. Uh, he was getting some praise from, from Travis Fisher. And uh, that's a, that's a, that nickelback spot's going to be pretty interesting with him and Chris Kalarovic and how they rotate those guys and, and what that looks like at, at different times. I kind I, of feel like the base nickel, Nebraska is going to play a lot of base nickel this year. I just going off of Brian's uh, award-winning video, it, it, there was a noticeable uptick in the intensity with the hitting that the defensive backs were doing. Like, they were popping pads and you know you're only 20 minutes or so into practice and there was you know I think very obvious work by Travis Fisher and and the defensive staff to kind of up the uh, the intensity level there Marcus Buford talked a little bit about it this week that no matter how much of a entrenched starter you are whether you're Cam Taylor Britt or whoever he has a real. He does a really good job of keeping guys uncomfortable. And I think that's kind of the point that you were getting at, Mike, is that he he keeps the competition going. You can't take days off. You can't take plays off. And there was there was a noticeable sense of urgency in that that group from what I was was able to see. Awesome. Let's uh, let's round things out with a little bit of recruiting talk here. Uh, Nebraska lost Ashley Williams, who decommitted. Over the weekend, a four-star, three-star, four-star outside linebacker uh, from Louisiana. Kind of an odd situation. I have I have definitely heard some things, and but there's only so much that you can verify. And I can I can put it like this. This is what I feel comfortable sort of saying uh, as that as that goes through. Nebraska's in a spot where they're getting a lot of recruiting from guys that don't recruit their position room, but are recruiting for the team. And that, and especially in potential transition years can lead to where, you know, someone really wants a player, but maybe the position coach or that side of the ball isn't as interested or they have a different standing on their board. And so you, you kind of get into these situations where um, as spots get limited decisions sort of have to be made. I think that, if you look at this, it's it's pretty obvious that Nebraska sees Cameron Linhart higher on their board than Ashley Williams. And if they only have two spots for outside linebackers and Cameron Linhart is still out there, they want to to kind of close that out. I think they're going to end up with that commitment. I don't know when that's going to happen. But I also feel like there's a way they could have made it work with both. So I I found myself a little like somewhat surprised that a position like outside linebacker where Nebraska has struggled to get consistent production for several years now, uh, outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever we want to call it. I, know, I don't even know what to do with that anymore, but um, where they've struggled to get production for, for several years that you, you wouldn't have been able to make room for another guy there. I mean, it just, it feels like that the numbers thing will take care of itself. Like that's, that's always a hard part with this when people ask, like, okay, how many are they going to take in, in the 2023 class? Well, we don't know who's going to transfer on October 1st because he's unhappy with something. We don't know who's going to have an injury. We don't know who's going to be like a freshman that just decides he doesn't want to be here anymore. I mean, the numbers sort of take care of themselves. I mean, remember the conversation about how Nebraska is going to get to 85? They got to 85. And 
there wasn't like any massive surprises along the way other than maybe Casey Rogers. So um, I, I feel like that's kind of true with, with the recruiting aspect of it too. And so I, I found myself a little surprised with the way the Ashley Williams thing kind of played out. BC, I know you talked to him a couple times and, and you know that he was fairly tight with, with Mickey Joseph and, and with the staff. I mean, when it went from his kind of commitment to, to his decommitment, were you, were you surprised at how quickly that played out? Yeah, because I, um, I thought he was a pretty good recruiting win for Nebraska. Um, Nebraska was one of the first to the table for him, like uh, as far as power five offers. And then he got a boatload of them, you know, throughout the spring and stuff. And I think it added up beyond 25 or 30 when it was all said and done. Um, Minnesota and Nebraska had been both at there at the beginning. Remember he took the visit official to Minnesota too. Um, and so I saw it as kind of a nice win, you know, again, with a league opponent involved and, um, you know, an, another nice win in Louisiana. And I like, you guys see this on like Friday night lights events. You'll see like this, it's kind of funny, like the Georgia crew will all stick together. There'll yep. be like six or seven guys. And then there's Louisiana crew and the Louisiana crew is growing. And I'm not saying just to take a guy cause he's from Louisiana, but I, they've got something popping there with Mickey and, and Brian Applewhite and some of those guys have connections there. And um, he would have been another to that list. So I was surprised how quickly it went because what he committed three or four weeks ago, really. Like was, July 11th. I think. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that, that long ago. And I felt like yesterday I just did that interview. So that's always kind of startling when, okay, he's not suddenly he's not there anymore, but I think you laid out what, what the situation is pretty well. And um, that I, I can see the challenge of that too. I'll say that. Like mm -hmm. I get, I get it where uh, you're on a staff and certain guys are recruiting specific States or regions and they might love this guy and, and, and a position coach or whatever the coordinator, they might think, well, I don't know if he fits exactly what we want. And you just, you're going to have differing opinions sometimes on prospects. So I'm sure there's a lot of back and forth on that. And maybe that was the case here. Um, Len Hart, who, who I think is also coming uh, Nebraska's way at some point, is a very good prospect himself. And, uh, you know, I do think that's a position group you can't have enough of, but I like how they're stacking it. If Jamari and Blaze take off sort of this year too, then then maybe you feel pretty good about the future there. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Any closing thoughts here as we uh, move forward? Nebraska will have another media availability on Thursday, uh, and then we'll get into. Oh, wait, do they? Does Frost talk again on Friday? Do we get back to back? Yeah, th Thursday and Friday. Wow, look at that! Back to back media availability to finish out the week. Scott Frost will talk again uh, on Friday. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts as we're as we're ending this thing here? Uh, no, but it's the season's getting close. I don't know if people really have a sense of that. I mean, we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're under 20 days until Nebraska leaves for Dublin. So um, fall, fall camp is quickly dwindling away. All right. Well, you're also heading to Dublin. We should let the people know that. Michael Brunts will be over there in Ireland to cover this game. Oscar 24-7 yes. going international. We are. Are you going to want 
Brunson, when you do that, are you going to want Schaefer and I to get – what's the time difference again? Six hours. So it's they're, – they're at six. Yeah. we. I figured we could probably do a podcast, you know, about one in the morning. That's there. what I was wondering if – yeah. Yeah. Or, or if it was like 4 a.m. our time, if you were going to have, you're going to tell us like, get up at 4 a.m. We got yeah. no, 15 minutes. You're setting the schedule. We're just marching to the tune. So I'll, I'll stay up late. I, I'm sure I'll have stuff to do at that hour. So <laughs> as long as I've known you, I've never known you to go to bed early. So yeah, midnight's, yeah, I, midnight's fine. We'll, we'll make it work. A 1 a.m. text from you is never out of the question, regardless no. of what country you're in. So. Nope. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be up at uh, 1 in the morning in Dublin, probably watching an old Nebraska-Iowa game, texting right. you guys about so it. What, so. so what time is that Hawaii plays? Uh, yeah, who? so the, uh, basically I'm going to need the cab driver in Dublin to try and find it on the radio on the way to the airport <laughs> to, to make sure I get that Vandy-Hawaii game in. It's it's uh, 5, 5.30 a.m. there is when they're going to kick. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, better call stall star Brian Christopherson. Any uh, any closing thoughts? Um, that would be a real reach. After I watched it, um, you would have, you have to like super pause that bad boy to and do some investigative work to figure out. Uh, I knew it instantly. Well, I think that's because you had cl- clues in the. Pe- I think we knew that they had taken a story that that I wrote from some of the guys. Well, photos, but. It's it's just that when you're watching it and the guy's holding up a newspaper and it's a sports section of a place where you used to work, you have kind of a long last name. So it's sort of, <laughs> you know, you could just visualize it right there. It was a it was a fun episode. Um, and Taylor Martinez, Brandon Kinney gets gets a mention. Uh, Reggie Ball from the 95 team got thrown in there, <laughs> which is kind of random. They must have, he must have been the leading receiver that year or something. They just like, who's the leading receiver? Throw his name out there. Um, but Brandon Kinney did have a big game against uh, Oklahoma State, if you remember, and that at what they're referencing. He caught a touchdown at the end that sort of sealed a wild win, which you could argue was the best win of the Pelini, one of the best wins, not the best, but one of the best wins of the Pelini era, beating a ranked Oklahoma State team on the road. All right. Well, we started with gas station faraway <laughs> looks, and we finished with Brandon Kinney's big game against Oklahoma State <laughs> in 2010. No podcast is going to replicate that for you. That's why we're Husker 24-7. That's why you listen to us, because, frankly, we don't know where it's going either, so why would you? That's the tagline. Uh, be sure to check out Husker 24-7. Plenty of coverage. you still got stuff coming up from our media availability uh, for Monday. There'll be plenty of stories on that. Recruiting stuff rolling along. High school football is about to get underway, so we'll have coverage there both locally and afar with Nebraska's commits. So be sure to check out Husker247.com. We'll catch you next week with another podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.